The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats. I'm your host and expert layman, Matt Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. We've got a great episode lined up for you today, but before we do that, Mr. Chase, how are things in Alextown? <laughs> not too bad. How about yourself, Matt? Uh, not too bad at all. Uh, it's nice that the weather's getting a little warmer, even though it's cold today. It's, it's coming. Uh, the snow is melting off of my yard, which is nice. Um, and uh, there's baseball in the air, which is fantastic. It's really, really exciting for that to be coming back around. Um, let me ask you this. Are you more excited about real baseball coming back, or are you more excited about the fake baseball coming back? Okay. There are baseballs in the air. Um, just ask the <laughs> Padres. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I'm definitely excited for like some parts of spring training, but this is like the most fun time of the year for fake baseball. Um, drafts that don't matter, drafts that we pretend matter. This is just the best <laughs> time for all of that sort of stuff. Um, right now, tonight, I've been in the process of setting up uh, the pitcher list blind co-manager leagues, which are just the most fun thing that anyone does in baseball anywhere other than actually playing it, I guess. Um, in these leagues, if y'all aren't familiar, the basic premise is that we pair up two rooms in our discord of drafters that are paired up with each other, but they don't know who they're paired up with. So like you'll be the first overall pick and then the whole room will pick. And then suddenly basically your room is offline. I mean, you can still chat with people, but there's like a whole other room of people who draft like the second round and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, pick 2.24 comes around and your co-manager picks someone that you hate. And you swear a whole lot, and you're back <laughs> online and immediately pick. Um, it's like auto-draft, but worse. And that's why I love it. Uh, I'm signed up for a Fantrax best ball format one, but I'm, like, moderating a um, one that people will actually play out. It's going to be kind of like Yahoo standard-ish. And I am just so stoked. <laughs> so um, I will definitely update next week on how that's going because there's no way we'll be done <laughs> but um yeah this is why i love uh spring training is because like the baseball doesn't really count and most of your drafts won't count because you'll be out of contention in may anyway but you know we get to hang out and have fun yeah draft season is the best uh i actually just signed up to take a spot in nerf um mm. which is going to be very interesting and i think it'll probably give us plenty of fodder over the course of the season for uh 
for all of the silly things that I do with some real sharks in that league. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, best of luck. I'll make sure to help out your uh, enemies a little bit there um, if I know any of them. <laughs> well, you'll recognize some of them. There are some definite um, definite great players, and uh, it's really an honor to be able to even be a part of it. Um, and it's also quite intimidating. But it's going to be a blast. It's going to be so much fun. Um, so I am looking forward to it, uh, and I hope that uh, that I can at least make a couple of good picks. My goal, my ultimate goal, is to pick somebody and have and, and snipe somebody. If I can just do that once, I think I'll have uh, accomplished accomplished the goal for the evening. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. No, the real goal of your league isn't to win; it's to make sure that at least ten out of the twelve other competitors lose. Um, and <laughs> usually, you'll be successful, at least in my experience. If that's your goal, um, I, I get the satisfaction of knowing that like 22 people are going to lose in like these blind drafts, which is, you know, even better. <laughs> a little schadenfreude there from uh, old Alexander Chase. All right. So uh, this episode is going to be focused on contact. Um, it's one of the things that are the thing you talked about at your PitchCon presentation. Um, and this is going to be from the perspective of pitchers. So we're not necessarily looking at which hitters are great with contact, but rather the opposite. On the other side of the diamond there, uh, which pitchers either suppress contact, which is really important, or uh, intentionally pitch to weak or soft contact and induce it on purpose as a skill set. So our central question here is uh, is all going to be all about that. Um, Let's jump to our numbers of the week, though, before we get ahead of ourselves um, and look at a couple of, of statistics here. And these are stats that might be confusing for some people going to a Fangraphs page and looking for some information. And that would be hard hit percentage and hard percentage. Um, just a quick distinction here. Hard percentage is, is part of a suite of three statistics put out by Baseball Information Systems. Is that right, Alex? Do I have that correct? Yeah, yeah. It's the one that if you've been on Fangrass for years, it's probably the one that you've seen before you transitioned over to like the baseball savant world of things where hard hit rate mm -hmm. is the going term. Right. And then so then that contrasts with hard hit percentage. So hard percentage is part of the suite of hard percentage, medium percentage, soft percentage. If you add those percentages up, you will get to 100. We can get a little bit more in the weeds on the definitions a little later on. Uh, hard hit percentage is measured differently. So you're going to see them be different. And that can be confusing. Um which again, we can talk about a little bit more as we go on. But to to bring it back to the specific numbers for the week here, um, I want to talk about hard hit percentage of twenty four point seven percent and a hard percentage of twenty one point five percent. Now this is the same player, and this is somebody who led the league in both of those statistics. Again, they are different numbers because they are measured differently. Um, and I know this is somebody that's near and dear to your heart. So talk to us a little bit here, Alexander, about Kenta Maeda. Um, so Kenta Maeda does this fun thing where he throws a million pitches and they all do the same thing, which is miss bats. Um, <laughs> you'll notice um, Maeda's approach is not to like just blast the ball high in the zone and uh, dare you to miss. His uh, approach is more to blast the ball outside of the zone and make you think that it's going to be in the zone, and then you miss. Uh, mm -hmm. So he's kind of living in this weird, impossible best of both worlds where he manages <laughs> to convince everyone that it's going to be a fastball without ever throwing his fastball. I love Maeda's... I mean, there are a lot of people who hate 
to say it's it's deception. I think that really we just need to be able to classify it and back that um, phrase up statistically to say it. But Megan has mm-hmm. got deception down, and he's also got a lot of other things down. His whole repertoire just goes down in different directions. I love him. <laughs> um, but honestly, if we want to talk about how great Kentamate is, hard hit rate and hard percentage both kind of do him a little bit of an injustice because he's also really good at missing bats. He's not just good at making the balls that like actually hit his bat or not his bat. He's not heading in Minnesota. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. You get the point. Like when contact happens, things are still bad for the batter, but he also gets a lot of strikeouts and he controls his walks pretty well as well. Basically, he's doing everything right, and you should be drafting him, except if you're in TGFBI, you can't, suckers. Um, he's already gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in TGFBI. I decided not to get in on that because I wanted to do co-manager draft instead of TGFBI. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know where my priorities are. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I want to clarify for those of you guys who aren't as familiar, like where the numbers kind of come from. So hard hit rate from Savant is literally just how many of the balls in play that you allow or create if you're a batter are traveling 95 miles an hour. Um, hard percentage, it's like a proprietary formula, but mm-hmm. as I understand it from my like whisper-whisper sources who kind of know what they're talking about, it's mostly going to be like using time in the air in a sort of like distance formula sort of way to kind of figure out what the velocity off of that roughly should have been. So it's not tied in the like a backwards sort of way of like we know this 95 mile an hour cutoff starts to tell us that um well defenders can't reach it in time and it tends to beat it out of the infield and get you better results yeah yeah that's basically what it is it's like 95 miles an hour is like the magic number for reaction time for the most time where just defenders are not gonna get there uh but hard rate medium rate soft rate i couldn't tell you exactly what they mean because they don't tell us exactly what they mean right and they also don't like correlate to anything all that tasty and wonderful for us in the same sort of way so like i a little bit get annoyed with hard hit rate and we'll talk about why in just a second but like i just don't feel obliged to have opinions about medium and soft rate because the really beautiful thing about like the hard hit rate stat is actually in my opinion it's like flip it around and put it upside down it's like the the soft or the weak hit rate whatever you want to call that that anything under the 95 miles an hour that percentage is really telling of like how much weak contact a pitcher is inducing and that's really helpful for us so i really care about that number and um i've actually done some interesting research about that but i actually try to make my own eri estimator we'll talk about it later hard hit rate was the thing that i was doing some fun stuff to to mm-hmm. turn it into the input so um yeah kenta maeda absolute wizard strikes people out <laughs> does things really are really good when he isn't striking people out um and uh if you're in a league with me i cannot wait for you to snipe me i don't know if we'll be end up in a league together but we should make that happen in some we way. should i think just so you can prob- snipe me i think yeah i think there's a plan for there to maybe be a podcast network league where we would actually co-manage which would make sniping you nearly impossible uh but i could certainly um needle you with with like pushing a pick that you didn't want to take <laughs> uh not to put too fine a point on it but i i would like to just reiterate uh, on the distinction here between hard hit percentage and and the hard percentage again just because if you're going there and looking and seeing discrepancy you're going to um this comes directly from the definition of uh of the suite of hard medium and soft 
Uh, and I'm just going to read this out f for all of you at home. It says, importantly, these stats are based on the type of batted ball. So on top of, this is me editorializing here for a moment, on top of it not necessarily correlating to a, percent, uh, 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 a mile per hour and exit velocity, there are also, and I'm back to the definition now, hard line drives, medium line drives, soft line drives. A medium line drive might be hit at a higher speed than a hard hit fly ball, which does further muddy the waters a bit. We don't have the specific algorithm, so that's why you're going to see a discrepancy there. Um, I, I think what we're saying here is that err on the side of using hard hit percentage, something that we can know a little bit more about how it's measured and how it's gotten, uh, how they get there. Uh, it's mm -hmm. probably a more useful metric. Now, I will say there's some wisdom and treating different launch angle things differently. It's just the black box nature that kind of makes it a little bit strange for us. Um, other people have taken the wisdom behind the like treating things differently and done some cool stuff with it. Um, and even like Connor Kirkland basically just won a bunch of awards for his dynamic hard hit rate uh, articles. I have some beef with the way that he presents those on the pitching side because I shocked. want those numbers. Uh, no, it's great. It's great work. I just want to be, be able to do some <laughs> tiny tweaks to it. Um, for my sake, not even for his. He's already got his awards. It's already yeah. good. It's already good research. It already <laughs> has answered questions for us. That's really interesting. Um, but I have I have unanswered questions that I want to use that data for, and uh, I need to get my hands on it. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Maybe you just got to ask really nicely. All right, so we talked a little bit about Kenta Maeda. Who's somebody else that you think is a, or maybe a, a suite of players or a pair of players that you can talk about in conjunction with one another that really gets at this uh, this idea of um, contact, again, from the pitcher's point of view, either suppressing it um, or pitching to it in order to induce soft contact? So when I was talking about how hard hit rate, hard hit percentage, whatever you want to call it, from Savant, you know, the 95 mile version kind of doesn't do Kentamayeda justice. What I really want to talk about is, um, well, how hard it is to use or to use that stat to create good comparisons, mm -hmm. because it's based around this big if, right? If the batter makes contact, what happens? But right. we know that pitchers make choices about where they pitch to. We know that pitchers build their repertoires based around different approaches. So that if, basically, when we press the if button right there, we kind of assume that everything else isn't going to matter or that we're not going to take it into consideration. Okay. Should, um, because there's a really distinct trade-off. A lot of guys are going to be going after the zone with a high heater with two strikes because they want to make sure they're not wasting any time and they want to get that strikeout. They have confidence mm -hmm. in their stuff or basically like they don't want to waste a pitch outside the zone. Cause they just think, you know, it's like why bother going right. for it. Um, there's a really good um, interview that Josh Stallman of the Kansas city Royals gave to uh, someone at Fangraphs recently. Uh, someone at Fangraphs, It's like a conversation about pitching with Josh Stallman. You can Google it. Um, mm -hmm. We should put it in our show notes. Honestly, I will make sure to get you that. Perfect. Um, and, in here, he talks about a couple different reasons why his hard hit rate is so high. Um, now, we don't need to talk about him in particular, but basically you can imagine his stat cast sliders. K rate all the way up, hard hit rate all the way down. Mm -hmm. um, he throws like 100. Um, <laughs> and he also attacks his zone really hard. And as a result, people hit the crap out of the ball when occasionally they actually hit it. But if we want to, he's providing him, a lot of the energy there, right? If he's throwing that hard. Yeah, that's a little bit of it. Uh, if you actually go in and look... Uh, fastballs over like 97 versus fastballs that are like under 97 because that's like the number mm -hmm. he puts you can tell like on contact there's a whole lot more hard hit balls 
but there are right. a lot fewer of them that actually end up in play. No, there's some reasons why that comparison is kind of imperfect. Um, if you can throw a 97, you might be in the league regardless of how well you can throw it. Whereas if you're throwing a little less, I imagine the command element's going to be there. And it's right, basically right. my kind of working hypothesis that like, here's the, the way that I want people to try to look at the world and tell me if I'm wrong. That um, basically everyone's going to miss in the middle, middle and get clobbered once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of unavoidable. Everyone just throws a bad pitch once in a while. Really good pitchers like Maeda do it infrequently. Mm-hmm. But regardless of what your approach is, occasionally you're going to get beat. Right. Um, so things like barrel rate, hard hit rate, like there's a floor that's not 0% there, right? Um, but on top of that, some guys are going to get a lot of strikeouts. Some guys are going to get very few strikeouts because their approaches are going to be different. Um, and if we want to compare people appropriately, the way that we have to do that is to compare the big picture. You've got to compare all of the balls in play that Maeda is doing compared to you know, someone who's just had a good career, but maybe needs to hang it up already and isn't <laughs> quite, uh, isn't quite throwing gas anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to be able to actually talk about whether someone's giving up a lot of hard contact or a lot of hard contact in the couple times a game that they're getting hit. Right. right. So the that two guys, a that, lot of sense. yeah, the two guys I always compare here, I put out a piece in November. They were the cover guys. Um, they were the two cover guys whenever I did my presentation at PitchCon. And they are like, the guys who deserve to be compared like this are Dallas Keuchel and Tyler Glasnow. Now, you probably don't have to be told that Tyler Glasnow is not pitching to contact. Um, I mean, he's given some up. Um, mm-hmm. If you're a two-pitch guy, it's going to happen. And I think right. that's actually part of it, um, is, is that guys with deeper repertoires are, I think, just going to get hit a little bit less hard. That's kind of like another variable here. I just kind of want to say it from the top. And we're going to kind of push to the side for the most of the presentation-ish, discussion-ish stuff we're going to do here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I do want to say that, like, batters are guessing as to whether it's a fastball or not. When they get fastball, sometimes they also hit it. And when they do hit it, they hit it pretty hard. Um, Yeah. He gave a ton of of hard fly balls, a ton of home runs last year. Um, In 2019, though, he didn't. Um, he was really good in 2019. Keiko was mm-hmm. not. <laughs> so I want to say all the numbers that we're talking about when we compare 2020, um, 2020, they come up pretty similarly. In 2019, it's like not even close. Uh, mm-hmm. Glasnow blows Keiko out of the water. But last year, um, Keiko had a pretty good season. Um, he had like a three ERA. Um, the estimators pushed him back up a little bit, but he was good. And um, Glasnow was, well, he should have been good, but he wasn't. Um, <laughs> we can look at ERA estimators and they try to compare the big picture. But yeah. our contact stats don't even try. And that's what I get angry about is that we could make them try. And the way we can make them try is by comparing all of the outcomes, basically, that a pitcher produces. Hard hit per PA, barrel per PA, plate appearances, battered face, whatever the number is. That's the way that we need to evaluate people. And Glasnow, well, let's go ahead and pull it up. Well, as it. you're as you're taking a look there, I, I want to just maybe back up for a moment and ask you kind of maybe what's a million dollar question, and that's why. Why <laughs> does putting it over um, per PA make it a more useful stat? Great. Not that we think you're lying to us, Alex, but <laughs> oh, no, um, I am. It's all it's all good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and pull up Glasnow because he's really extreme, right? So um, Glasnow's hard hit rate last season was 42.4. But he struck out 38.2% of batters. So uh-huh. to say that he had a hard 
contact problem would suggest that he's giving up a lot of hard contact. Right. So if we want to figure out if Tyler Glass now is giving up a lot of hard contact compared to Dallas Keuchel, well, if we want to figure out like future performance in a meaningful way, it's not like baseball is played exclusively when you make contact. There were strikeouts. You get a few chances and you're done. And people make choices about how they hit and how they pitch based on that. It's not like there's a pure stuff and you just basically calculate how many inches of break and where it goes and you'll be able to figure stuff out. That doesn't work that way. And Mm -hmm. I actually get really frustrated sometimes by people whose models don't seem to understand that people make choices. Right. Um, Because I I think there's like this sort of like, no, if if we just find another variable, find another variable, find another variable, I can do the math. You can just believe my linear aggression of perfected pitching. It doesn't work that way. People are human and make choices. And if you want to continue to split the data up, be like, okay, when he chose to do this versus when he chose to do that, well, people make choices for reasons. And eventually you end up digging into this hole over and over again, and you end up looking at this tiny little sample of situations in order to compare two people fairly when you're trying to do a situational comparison. So it's like, let's compare Dallas Keuchel versus Tyler Glass now only on two strike fastballs that are thrown where they would have absolutely known they were fastballs and who got clobbered more. Well, like, why would you want to know that? What does that solve? What does that tell you about the game and who's going to be better going forward? Like nothing, like pretty much nothing. It basically gives you a piece of trivia. You're getting into small enough sample sizes Mm, that there's more variability too, right? Yeah. I mean, in some cases, like um, there are other things that kind of like tend to keep the variance down. Like people are going to swing like crazy at um, pitchers that they know are, are going to throw it in the zone. Right. And people are not going to pitch like, or like, not going to uh, like swing like crazy at guys who like can't find the zone to save their lives. So there's definitely like, ways for this data to become biased. And we got to consider those sorts of things. Follow me down this rabbit hole for a moment, and let's. Uh, one of the things that we talk about a lot, that you've talked about a lot, is taking things to an extreme, right? So to to illustrate this point, um, uh, let's say that we have a um, hundred plate appearances. Uh, for a pitcher, right? And he um, he strikes out 98 people, right? And he he has two people put the ball in play. One of them hits it incredibly hard. The other person doesn't. He's given up technically, correct me if I'm wrong here on my math, but that would be a 50% hard hit percentage if it was an over 95 mile an hour exit velocity, right? But yeah, he struck yeah. out 98 out of 100 batters faced and so uh, that 50% isn't really telling you the whole story. Yeah. And we compare that guy against someone who strikes out nobody, um, but gives up hard contact 30% of the time. Well, that could be 30. Oh, let's be honest here. It's like 20 extra base hits versus like maybe one. Um, yeah. The, the n- actual number, the, the N outcomes of hard hit batted ball, um, um, hard hit batted balls put into play is going to be a lot more. So percentages by themselves don't tell the whole story. When you put it over per plate appearance, it evens things out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that you did there is like, you're looking at like the number. I want people to think about hard hit kind of like the way they think about doubles or counting them up. We're figuring out how often you do it that way. Not as like an adjective or a modifier. Like how often are you pulling the ball? Okay. Um, Instead, we want to think of them as events, because when you do that, you can compare how often something happens. That's actually the word I was reaching for in my brain that wasn't coming to the, the forefront. So thank you for uh, reading my mind and pulling that one out for, for everybody at home. Batted ball event. Yeah. 
yeah so we'll often we'll throw a batted ball event as the denominator and i just i think that has some problems um but i do think that like just like this mind shift of like think about barrels like you'd think about home runs you wouldn't think about like how often i hit a home run if i make contact you know you think about how often i'm making a, i'm hitting a home run when i step to the plate so I want to talk about how we actually put this into action really quickly to get back to Keiko and Glasnow because it's incredible how their two really, really opposite approaches ended up at some really similar predicted outcomes last year. Now, Glasnow got shelled. Like, some of his harder <laughs> contact was way hard. Um, and, like, I want to say the data is blind to that. That's part of the reason why his expected stats aren't as good as his real stats. Some, mm-hmm. of, those, some of those hard hit balls were, like, way over 100 miles an hour. Like so that is a blind spot here. But we're still able to, like, if we know the limits of our data, we can at least tailor our comparison appropriately. So all that nonsense out of the air. Well, let's look at their numbers. And it's, it's crazy. So Glasnow, 38.2% strikeout rate, 42.4% hard hit rate. And he walked, guys, 9.2% of the time. So here's the way I would look at this if I'm not trying to do all the math in my head in a fancy way. So I add up the strikeouts and walks, and he's, um, he's allowing contact. Basically, you take 100 minus those two numbers, and you're going to get to, um, he's going to contact like less than 55% of the time that someone's at the plate. Okay. Keiko, on the other hand, um, his 16.3% strikeout rate and 60, or 6.6% walk rate tell me that he's giving up contact um, about like greater than 75% of the time. So that means that he's giving up 20%, like like there's 20 additional plate appearances out of 100 that are the ball in play. Mm-hmm. Now, 31% or 31.3% hard hit rate for him versus Glasnow's like 44 point or 42.4. Well, it's like if you're giving up, you know, a full third more contact, your um, hard hit rate being 25% less basically gets you to the exact same place so i've actually built a tableau that uh attracts um hard hit per batter's face hard hit per nine which i mean per nine stats have some like variance to them but sometimes the variance is good so i have it in there too and my er estimator uh hera hard hit era <laughs> um <laughs> and so glasnow um gave up um 21.8 percent hard hit per batter's face that means like out of 100 batters you'd face 21.8 would have uh, hit at 95 miles an hour or harder. See, it's not the first 21 that gets you, Alex. It's that last point eight that really pushes it over the edge. Yeah. Keuchel was 24.1. So, like, they're almost identical, actually. Or, well, actually, Glasnow's better. That's the point. Is He's, like, 3% better. Getting um, there in completely different ways. Yeah. And if you don't try to think about, like, the end result, you're going to end up solving a question that doesn't help you. Um, now, there are a lot of guys that I feel like this sort of research helps us answer questions about. Um, and it's just kind of like, we're, we're getting there. Um, we're not like, I'm not saying that hard hit as stat cast measures is the best way to actually track how someone is suppressing contact. But when we start to move towards this, uh, like view of things, we get to some pretty good places. Now I will say particularly to hard hit as a stat, um, mm. I did some pretty cool research back in November, pretty cool, is doing a lot of work here, um, that looked at how reliable it is, and hard hit, actually, for um, for pitchers, stabilized faster than walk rate. So hard okay. hit per PA um, was trustable before a pitcher's walk rate in season. Wow. Yeah. And it accounted for um, a greater share of, like, the explanation for their ERA than strikeout rate did. 
Um, like, it's better than barrels. It's better than walks. It's not better than strikeouts because strikeouts are so stable, but it's <laughs> close. So if you want, like, a picture of a future, uh, pitcher's future performance, I, I built my ERA estimator to use hard hit stuff. And it, it works. It worked better than um fip it worked better at sierra xfib um it was competitive with like the industry leading stuff like pcra as it was built then mm. um kirkin who also did the dynamic hit hard hit rate dude's a wizard um <laughs> he's not a wizard he's a dude who does math well um <laughs> wizards don't do math um <laughs> they don't need yeah, to they can just cast a yeah, spell yeah no, his, yeah his pcra <laughs> is basically like the uh the the best thing he has going he he introduced some stuff that regresses to the mean and it's not cheating it's something that i'm going to steal and copy and see how i can do it with hard hit <laughs> stuff he uses barrels per battle ball event and i think someone it might be me but it probably won't be me because someone will beat me to it will beat pcra soon because mm-hmm. barrels are just not that sticky compared to hard hit data when you do something more often and this is the way that we want to broaden this conversation to just like i test if you want to figure out um, how good someone is, you don't want to measure it by something that happens really irregularly, like barrels or home runs, which are going to happen in like 5% or less for home runs of all plate appearances that a, right. a, a, a pitcher will have. Or So like, yeah, that in makes truth, sense. we want, like if you are trying to measure it on that, you want to make sure you pick it up to a higher um, number of like total events. And that's why a hard hit rate succeeds. It, it repeats itself often because you just get more data. Um, and because we measure it fairly with hard hit per PA, um, you can actually like use it in a really successful way. So um, the question there is, we've got a tool that tells us a whole lot. You can do stuff with, you can do the same kind of like thing to other things, but let's stick with hard hit rate. Um, let's go look at some other guys who are supposed to be contact guys and let's actually figure out how good they are, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of our thing, right? The case study, and we did jump into it without labeling it uh, in this episode, but that's where we're at. We're talking about players. Um, Let me ask you a question. Um, You mentioned earlier that um, it's useful when we're talking about hard hit percentage not only to look at the the batted ball events that are 95 mile an hour and above, but also that there is uh, data that's informative uh, when you're looking at batted ball events that are not hard hit percentage, um, outcomes. Right. Um, and now I'm, I'm jumping a little bit here. So uh, I'm kind of breaking the rule I said at the beginning, uh, in terms of which hard hit percentage or hard percentage to use. But I want to talk about, uh, Hinchin Ryu for a second, uh, because I think it tells a different story and it does tell the story within those, the family. So just a a reminder, hard percentage, medium percentage, soft percentage, they all Mm -hmm. go together. Um, yeah, hard the baseball hit percentage. solution. Hard yeah, percentage. that's yeah. that's their thing. And if you add up all the numbers, you'll get to 100. percent So uh, it, there is useful information in there when you're relating them to one another. Um, hard hit percentage may be better when you're using it in isolation. But if you look at uh, Ryu, uh, he did something very interesting. He had a very low hard percentage. So again, in that family of hard, medium, and soft, he had a very low hard percentage. Um, but it didn't result in a, a lot of soft percentage contact. The hard percentage um, that he didn't give up, for a lack of a better way of saying it, became medium percentage. Yeah, like so, the trade-off, if you want to think. Like, when it went down, it didn't go down evenly. It's like, it was just like, all right, let's all just duck under the bar a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And since we don't know exactly how it's measured, we, we maybe can't speak directly to why that was. But let's use that as an example to just talk in general about um, 
you know, if somebody's not giving up hard contact, is it is is that the only thing that's good, or do we want to make sure that that hard contact is translating to soft contact, um, uh, in and not just kind of lingering there, ready to become hard contact again? So I like this line of questioning because it does a good job of poking a hole in why we would care about hard hit right as the delineating line. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll think back to like. Why don't we have like a, a weak contact and a medium contact for um, Savant? Why did they right. just choose to do hard and everything else? And it's because you can imagine there's like um, a flat line basically between for like the WOBA outcomes for a ball hit anywhere from one mile an hour to 95. One, mm-hmm. one is obviously like ridiculous. But like think about like from, like from <laughs> 65 to 95, like the WOBA like the weighted on base average, basically like the run expectancy of that contact is mm-hmm. the same. It's functionally the same to hit a ball 91 miles an hour as it is to hit it 65 miles an hour in terms well, because of because you can imagine you that with the eye test, right? You could flare it off the end of the bat. It's not going to be hard hit, but it could drop in yes, or you could exactly. drive a ground ball through the hole and it just happens to find its way through at 90 miles an hour. But neither of those is necessarily predictive of it happening again or any more valuable than the other, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and at those different speeds, there are different, like, angles that are slightly, you know, it, it, it's it's physics that I don't want to do on air but, or at all, <laughs> no, ever. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, those are all going to be, on average, about the same. Uh, which is crazy, but you know, think about it. It's like 95 miles an hour. That's like going to correlate to some reaction times for most people. Like mm-hmm. you hit it that fast, like, the brain's just not going to process it quick enough to get a glove to the ball in most cases. Unless you're sitting really deep, at which point there's a trade-off. But it's not like as soon as they hit 95, it jumps. It's more like that's where the curve starts. Um, everything on average after 95 has a WOBA of about like um, – 500 everything below that has a well of about 200 i think but it's like okay. it creeps up so that if you hit the ball like 110 miles an hour that's way better than hitting at 100 miles an hour which is way better than hitting at 95 miles an hour so it's like a it starts to curve upwards yeah that but basic, makes sense yeah but basically you could think of it then as like i don't care about anything below everything below is suppressed okay um, and um so really it's just like the people who can avoid all of the other stuff is really good um you might want to think then, it's like, why aren't we talking about, like, soft contact, right? I'm like, yeah, we can do that. Um, I actually ran some fun stuff the other day. It was, like, take a uh, pitcher's, like, strikeout rate plus their less than 95% contact over PA rate. It's, like, their weak contact mm-hmm. for PA rate. And you add those together. And basically, like, that allows you to, like, check out if people are good at suppressing contact or getting strikeouts. And it's, it was, like, a really good proxy for, like, how often are you doing the good thing? Okay. Um, it's imperfect, but it, it had like more value in terms of predicting ERA and more value in terms of like predicting next year ERA than K minus BB did. Um, so, I mean, I should probably uh, get up and write that piece, but <laughs> I think you should. Uh, so let's let's just turn back to Ryu's example for a second here. Then I, what I'm hearing and please correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm mishearing this, but. If he, if it's a skill, if it is a repeatable skill mm-hmm. that we don't really know because we don't know the metrics involved here, the specific algorithms, but if it is a skill to take that hard percentage and move it to medium percentage, basically everything in the bucket, medium and soft is good. Yeah, it's about roughly evenly good. Now, 
again, caveat, 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 baseball info solutions, medium. We don't know exactly what it is, but like the right. logic is pretty much the same. We don't think that medium versus soft are spectacularly different. Um, and honestly, I'm nothing against baseball info solutions because they've been running this stuff since like 2002 and we did mm-hmm. not have nearly the tech that we do now then. Like right. it's just kind of outdated, but really cool for its time. Um, and I would love to get them to prove me wrong. Because then, one, <laughs> they'd be listening. But, but two, like, maybe we could get an update on it. Or, like, just, like, how are we supposed to use it? Because, like, one of the things about black, bo- or black box stats, where we don't know where they're coming from, is they're really hard to poke holes in. Yeah. Um, and then we basically have to do everything based off of regression analysis, which is kind of a lazy way to do stats. Because uh, <laughs> then you don't know why your regression... You don't know why your regression would be lying to you. Like that sound that I just tried to make apparently is lying to my, <laughs> my, my abil- brain's ability to make sounds. Um, so like I'm, I don't fully ignore it. I want to go look at it and just make sure that there's not some weird aberration in the data. But I'm kind of deciding the BIS... Uh, hard, soft, medium stuff to the side for now. Okay, now let's let's flip the script a little bit before we we move on from talking about the BIS stuff entirely. Um, somebody that struck me, I went. This is what I did. This is my process in, in prepping for this episode. I went and I looked at the the leaders in hard hit percentage. So from a pitcher's point of view, that would be the lowest hard hit percentage. Um, and then I looked at the leaders of hard percentage from the BIS and soft percentage from BIS. Now, obviously, the leaders in soft percentage, you do want a bigger number there. Um, And somebody who stuck out uh, on soft percentage, interestingly, uh, for me at least, was John Lester, who had the 13th best soft percentage in the league last year, um, but did not have the 13th best season in the league. So uh, I, I guess we've touched a little bit on why that might be, um, but maybe elaborate a little bit more on how you can actually uh, be effective at getting soft contact and inducing soft contact and still not be overly effective. Yeah, it's just volume. Um, we are basically with Lester living in that world where it's like the guy doesn't strike anyone out, it, except the like. It's not like an extreme example. It's just John Lester doesn't strike anyone out. Um, mm-hmm. And when you're allowing contact, like I want to pull it up so I can make sure that y'all know exactly how ridiculously not good John Lester was last year. Like, like well, for my not pick na- on him too much. Okay, he's made a lot of money. <laughs> he, I can pick on him already. I, I wrote the uh, pitcher list Nats or Nationals Nats Nationals preview because I live here in DC, and uh, well, I'm technically not a Nats fan, you know. I kind of proximity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm an Orioles fan and that lives really close to Nats Park, goes to lots of Nats games, went to the Nats World Series parade, lives with a Nats fan and follows a lot of Nats fans on Twitter. It's really yeah. confusing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he struck out 15.8 uh, percent of his batters that he faced last year. That was a huge drop off from his career numbers. Lots of things about his last year were really scary from a uh, are we going to pay this guy to play baseball from his point of view if you're here yeah. in D.C.? Um, so yeah, like not 79% of batters that he faced were putting the ball in play. His hard hit rate also was really high. Um, yeah. so it's like, not that he was, uh, actually suppressing hard contact. It's just that like he was suppressing medium contact. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was um, living on the edges. On the extremes. Yeah. And, and, and more, and more particularly like out of the 79% of batters that he faced, there were a lot, no, there weren't a whole lot of them who were hitting it. 85 miles an hour. They right. were um, they were clobbering the ball 
or they were just missing it. That's kind of yeah. what happened. Um, so yeah, in that case, you want to think like, what's a way for this stat to be lying to me is always the question I'm looking for. And in Lester's case, it was like, well, imagine the worst. It kind of happened. Um, no, I kind of joke there about like, you know, I, I, I can make fun of him. He's already made a lot of money. I would love John Lester to pick it up again because um, I'm probably going to end up at least one game and that's park. And uh, I will, I mean, it'd be nice. I guess if the, the, Fans were cleared out by, like, the sixth inning because they were bound a whole lot so I could sneak down to, like, the plate level. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm definitely pulling for him. Um, are, do you have any fond memories of Lester because of his Red Sox days? Is, is that is that also part of why you asked? Uh, well, no, that really wasn't the motivation. <laughs> but, yeah, I do have some fond memories of, of Lester, you know, and I think that at the time uh, that he was going through, by all the accounts that I'm privy to, which is certainly not um, – any proprietary information, but it seemed like the Sox handled um, his illness and his comeback and, and all of that really, really well. Um, you know, you get, you can't help but root for a guy that, uh, that bounces back like that and mm -hmm. does the work and, and then comes back and is not just good, but really, really good. Um, you know, it, everybody's going to, you know, find the end of their career at some point. And I hope that this is not his, um, but I, I really picked him because I think it was kind of a nice one of those extreme examples, right? Somebody we know that just did not do very well, but yet if I were to look at that stat, it would look like, oh, well, maybe there's, there's something to this. And again, maybe more to your point, not, um, how to get stats to, to tell me something good, but how to avoid having stats tell me something bad. Yeah. Yeah. If we're looking for like the trend of guys who actually, I think, are suppressing hard contact like on the big picture well i mean it's a lot of the guys you'd expect that are good um, and i think that's another just like general like why this per pa sort of thing is useful rather than just like the pure per contact sort of thing like if we're looking at the guys who finished in the top 10 of hard hit per batters faced last year who had at least 50 innings pitched i'm gonna use that as my really rough cutoff for guys who are mostly starters it's uh um Freed, Maeda, Corbin Burns, DeGrom, Ryan Yarborough, Sonny Gray, Christian Javier, Lucas Giolito, Hanjin Mario, and Aaron Nola. Um, yeah. Some really good guys did get hit hard sometimes, but there was nobody on base. <laughs> so, like, um, interestingly, um, Shane Bieber, who um, people often ballyhoo is like, having contact problems, um yeah 22.4 or 22.2 percent his hard hit per nine was like at 7.68 so like that's really good too beaver was suppressing hard contact by making sure no one hit the ball and mm -hmm. that's kind of like where you end up good guys have different ways of being good but we just gotta make sure we're evaluating them all pretty much everyone on that top 10 list was good in a different way i will say a lot of them in particular are going to be a little bit more of the um you can hit it sometimes, but who cares variety? Uh, G I mean, Giolito throws a nasty changeup. Uh, he also strikes a lot of guys out without changeup, but mm -hmm. when it makes contact, bad things happen. Um, Nola is a pitch outside the zone, and you're not going to do anything good to it type. Um, Sonny Gray is, you know, he throws a sinker and some other stuff. Uh, Uriah Yarbo doesn't strike that many people out, but they do not make good contact with him. Um, funny fact. Uh, Jacob DeGrom has like the highest swing rate against of any pitcher. Like everyone's swinging his stuff and they just can't do anything to it. So, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, go get well, I, DeGrom. <laughs> I think that, that you're, you're um, 
hinting at something there that is not a math piece. It's not something we've talked about from the, you know, the numerator and denominator point of view, but there's also arsenal and approach too, right? Um, if, if you throw the ball super hard and nobody's on base, um, you're going to go after the guy. And if he happens to hit it, it's more likely to be hit hard because you're throwing it hard. Right. And who cares? Right. Even, even when you're giving up hard contact, what you said is like half of it is still an out. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's another part of it that I would like to figure out a good way to, to look into is how pitchers do in terms of hard hit rate um, when the bases are empty versus when they aren't. Um, And that's not just like a comfort in pitching in the stretch versus, you know, uh, wind up, whatever. That's just like, am I going to make different choices whenever I know that a ball going over the fence counts double? Yeah, that's Purple. game management, yeah. right? And, yeah. and innings management, sure. That's that's a, and that's part of the of the game of baseball that I think is fascinating. That maybe a casual fan doesn't realize is going on. You know, somebody who's completely changing their approach because of the the hitter and where their hot zones and cold zones are, and, and the strength of my pitch, and you know, where is my defense positioned, and, and I'm throwing it inside or outside because of that, or any of the thousand things that are going on, and the best in the game are able to use that to their advantage so that they can go aggressively after somebody, and okay, well, I just gave up that 105 mile an hour double to the wall, and now I'm going to lock this in, and I'm going to get out of the inning and strand that guy, so uh, there there is a lot more going on than just being able to put it in the numerator the denominator. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that a good tool is something that's really easy to consistently use. And the places where it breaks, we know that it's broken. And we don't make the wrong claims about it there. Um, every baseball stat is broken a little bit. Many are broken much more than others. Mm-hmm. The worst are those that are broken while still being advertised as effective. Um, yeah. And that's what my beef is with hard hit rate as advertised on Savant, you know, there was this big dust up like in the fantasy community about like, um, there's like a bunch of stuff about like people like I'm just using picturing an anchor man like scene in my head here. Forgive me for a moment. Just the, where all the news yeah. anchors are rumbling in the, uh, make it less cool. Mostly. <laughs> um, yeah. What a just dust up. But like there's basically a camp of people that I, I, I struggle to understand exactly how I, I see myself in relation to them. That like, can be mad at people who just quote stat cast numbers to say if someone's good or bad and be like, look at those sliders. They're all blue and all red. And there, there was like a couple people and I'm going to not name them because I don't think necessarily they still feel this way. Mm-hmm. Um, who are like, man, I hate it when people do that. That's like lazy analysis. Like it, it, it for me is like, yeah, they're kind of right. But also like, I was like that very recently. And yeah. I, I kind of have settled on like the, no, like if there's a problem here, there is a problem here, but the problem is structural and it's, it's on Savant. It's on MLB.com to like, just present the game better to people. And then you realize like, Oh, it's MLB.com. It's the league. But in kind of like, the, there are yeah. good people to work for MLB.com. But like, you understand like my frustration is like, Oh, here we are yet again. There are some people who have a beautiful thing and don't quite get what's wrong with it. It's a really easy fix. Like the people who control MLB.com can go on their site tonight and put, change the stats that show up to have like per PA contact stats. I understand that it's more complicated than that because of bureaucracy, but they, they could have that meeting and fix this. And people would stop thinking that um, Ty- Dallas Keuchel is actually a contact wizard. He's not. He's he's pretty okay, but he's just mm-hmm. a little bit better than average. Yeah. So. Well, I, like, for all the reasons that we talked about before and the way that numbers can 
can lie to you if you don't understand the context. I think that's the biggest piece, right, is the context is missing from a lot of just raw data and raw numbers. And you can make percentages that that tell a story. I mean, in a lot of cases, you can make percentages that tell the story you want to tell, right? Mm -hmm. And not the Um, one that you actually need to be telling. Right. And that's fine if you're doing it for yourself. But if you're doing that and packaging it and selling it, and I know it's not for actual dollars, but you're still selling it as as meaningful. If you don't give people the guide to understand it in context, then eh. Yeah, yeah. No, the problem is not the number. Hard hit rate tells us something. I use it. I actually really like it whenever I'm looking at batters in context. I like, look, okay, like, what's this guy's contact rate? What's this guy's um, Z-swing rate? What's this guy's... Hard hit rate. I'll like look at those different things next to each other and be like, oh, how does this guy stand out from the crowd in different ways? And then I'll go dig deeper in some other ways. But you can't put it at the very top and put like a red or a blue on it and expect people not to think that it's the end all be all. Yeah, I think that's the part that that makes sense. I I really do think there's tremendous value in having all of this Mm -hmm. data. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's not like it it doesn't tell a story at all. You can go look at, at an O swing rate and say, okay, well, this guy's getting a lot more people to chase balls outside of the zone. That is useful information, but it's not the only information that's useful. So if that shows up somewhere and it's being sold as the holy grail of understanding pitching, that's problematic. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's a really small change. And I think a lot of people are kind of like talking about these things in some more like um, adjusted ways. And it's it's not a matter of being right or wrong in terms of like, I'm right. It's just like, you know, I think it would lead to some cooler conversation about like how we talk to pitchers if we can say like, oh, yeah, this guy is really effective in this way. And that's cool. And another guy on the same staff does things entirely differently. And it also works. Um, That ends up putting casual fans in a position where they can start to do eye test things because they know what they're looking for. And that's what puts eyes on the game is knowing what to look for and being excited to find it. A feeling Uh, like you understand it when you see it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So as we're talking here about things that impact um, what what makes a pitcher good or or what uh, can can keep a a batter from uh, beating you, um, some changes coming in MLB this year. the one of the most significant to the ball itself. Now, what we're not seeing in spring training is this new deadened ball. Uh, if you are watching the Padres spring training game today, the pitch to Tatis that got hit to the moon uh, is a clear example <laughs> that we're, um, we're not he, using the deadened ball. Gary Sanchez hit a ball over the center field batter's eye in a spring <laughs> training game. That is incredibly difficult to do. <laughs> like we're talking, this thing went close to 500 feet. Um, yeah. And like tat- Tatis tattooed that ball, like 114 miles an hour, like even a deadened ball, it's going that fast off the bat. It's going to get out. Like these are really, really hard hit balls <laughs> to be clear. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and, and that's actually a nice segue because I think the, the thing to talk about with the deadened ball aren't the Mike Judges of the world, right? I mean, uh, Mike Judge, he's the one who <laughs> did Beavis and Butthead. Aaron Judge, the actual baseball player for the yep, New York Yankees. Yep. No, imagine putting Mike Judge in the <laughs> box, and if he's hitting the ball out, then we know there's something wrong with the ball. No, nothing against you, Mike, um, but like that's the sort of thing we're looking for. It's like, who are the guys who um, don't have that 6-7 um, frame and uh, beautiful set of teeth um, in order to clobber the ball out <laughs> yeah. of. Oh, and I think it's a, it's an important uh, thing. And, you know, his name gets uh, ballied about a, a lot. Um, 
But uh, if you look at somebody like Aaron Judge, if his home runs go 475 feet instead of 525 feet, they're still home runs. <laughs> if you look at somebody like Kevin Biggio, though, um, who is getting a lot of his home runs that are kind of eking their way out, and you take 15 to 20% of the distance away from that, you're talking five about feet a, off much... of a lot of those even. Yeah, that's yeah. literally what we're talking about. We're talking about like five to 15 feet being taken off of these fly balls. We're looking for those guys. Yeah, so um, I don't mean to pick on Kevin Biggio, but he's not the only one. Uh, yeah. So we don't need to be worried about the people who have the the you know max exit velocities of, of 114, 115. Uh, what we're really looking for are the people who are, are going to be hurt by uh, the 5, 10, 15 feet. Um, and so I don't know. I, I guess I'll turn it over to you to just maybe talk a little bit about what you think the impact here is and philosophically why. Why are we doing this now? I'll leave the second part of that for a moment. Um, I do want to talk about like procedurally who I'm looking for. Um, and if any part of the conversation that we had earlier today stuck, this should be easy. Uh, basically, we're looking for the guys who put more balls into play, but less hard. Um, yeah. These are the guys who are going to be hitting it um, 95 to 105 miles an hour a lot. Um, rather than the guys who are hitting at 100 to 110 miles an hour a, a bit. Um, basically, like, the per PA stuff um, does matter in terms of, like, all this. Because then we can tell, like, okay, um, if you're doing it more but not as hard, like, you are benefiting more in the league recently. Uh, that's another thing that's, like, kind of weird to stand out. Like, the guys who are giving up more contact recently um, have actually been the people who have been hurt harder. The uh, The juice ball has incentivized people to turn into Robbie Rays. Um, yeah. To turn into, um, but not to turn into, uh, as batters, um, Joey Gallows. You might think, like, oh, the, the the ball's juiced. We should all sell of the power. Like, no, like, the biggest beneficiary of pre pre recent years have been guys like Alex Bregman, who basically put the ball into play like crazy and, like, will pull fly balls that aren't even hit that hard just into the crawfish boxes there in mm -hmm. Animate. Like, those are the sorts of people we're looking for. Well, um, let's so let's go back to that metric again. I'm sorry. I, I know I'm, I'm interrupting your train of thought a bit. But um, before we leave it too far behind, yeah, you yeah. mentioned that 95 to 105 range. If people are living in that area, just going back to that threshold of 95 mile an hours, uh, mile an hours, miles an hour, Below that, we have that that kind of it's all the same, and above that, we have these gradations of more effectiveness. So we're talking about people coming down an, a, a, the wrong way on an exponential curve, um, and potentially, uh, po again, potentially. I'm making up words today, Alex. I don't. I, I mean, don't know I make up stats. On. You make up words. It's it is all yeah. made up. Well, thank you all for listening to us through all of this nonsense. But um, <laughs> if you eventually wind up reducing uh, below that 95 mile an hour uh, threshold, now you're really in trouble, right? Because yeah, your, well, your outcomes are limited. Yeah, it's not like we're going to be taking exit velocity off of guys. It's just like the imagine the ball gets hit that hard, and then because it weighs a little bit more, you have to put more force to get out of the yard. That's what's happening. Um, now, I will say, in past years, balls under 95 have left the yard for sure. Um, I always come back to Houston because it's such a weird example, but there was a, a home run ball that Elvis Andrews hit off of um, off of Presley in, in Houston that um, it just barely creeped out like 325 feet that went like 92 and a half miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Like, 
just yeah, I don't think either of us is saying this can't happen. It's just if you look at the aggregate, right? You're looking at the yeah. macro, not the micro. But that ball is not out next year. Yeah, that's the sort of stuff that we're going to be missing. And they're all going to—they're pretty much all going to be pulled. They're pretty much all going to be like the guys who pull the ball a lot and hit make a lot of contact, uh, but don't hit it exceptionally hard. So yeah, you can basically just go on Savant and you want to just go look for guys who maybe have like low strikeout rates and low max exit velocities. Those are going to be your guys. Um, and the, you can also use like Savant's tools, like their doubters when they're looking at their X home run um, leaderboards. So if you go to uh, leaderboards, um, X home runs in batting uh, and then um, you can actually just sort by doubters. Um, and those are like the home runs that, or like mostly gone. You like so, sorry for those. These are going to be the guys who are losing home runs in the future. So um, last year, Mookie Betts had 17 mostly gone. Um, <laughs> fewer of those are going to be out next year. He actually last year had 18 home runs, but his X home run was only 14.9. You would actually expect if the, the ball's deadened, that goes down even more. Yeah. Um, so those are the guys who should be <laughs> so everybody's going to be playing with the same ball, and I think that we tend to think, well, whatever, it'll all even itself out. But I, I think that's wrong. There mm-hmm. are some exactly. guys who hit the ball hard enough that this won't matter as much, um, uh, and there are guys in that gray area who are going to be far more impacted. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, like, yeah, you brought up Kevin Biggio. He had one no-doubter last year. Mm. One. Uh, he had eight home runs, but only one of them would have been gone, like, pretty much everywhere. Yeah. The mostly gone are, like, the ones that are going to be out in, like, a certain number of parks. Doubters are, like, going to be out in, like, one park, but nowhere else. I think that's pretty much their methodology. I'm slightly wrong in some meaningful way. Um, but, yeah, basically know that, like, depending on where your park is and who you are, you are going to be more at risk to be hurt here. It's going to be complicated, but it's going to show up. And what that means is that if you're, like, drafting guys, you want to be a little bit... Um, I don't know, scared of the guys who are just living on the edge and, like, had, like, a pop-up power season recently, but don't, like, scream max EV potential. So that's, like, another yeah. tool you want to use because that's going to tell you, like, how much is actually going on there. Um, All right. Well, since this is our segment name, I'm going to push you to this, and this is more of the philosophical side of it. I want you to give me a pass-fail on this change. Oh, it, it's a... Uh, yeah, that's that's the great I'm going to use. Um... <laughs> How do you spell that, Alex? I'm going to have to put it in the show notes. So I think it has a G in okay. there. Um, I don't know where. So, like, the question is whether or not there needs to be a fix. And I think the answer is yes, something needs to be fixed. Because uh, if you look at the SI report um, that came out about the juice ball, basically um, what was found is that the ball is being made inconsistently. Mm-hmm. And the MLB needs to control that. Because we want to be able to like reliably say that a guy is good because he's been playing under normal-ish playing conditions. Right. And if different – like this is like the way I'm reading their data. And I could be slightly wrong here. But it looks like different batches um, were and weren't used after an experiment kind of got out of control. Like they were like, hey, let's play around with the bull. Let's go see what happens if we do this thing. They made mm-hmm. some. And then some of them that weren't supposed to be used in major league games might have actually been used. Okay. That's kind of like the upshot that I'm slightly reading here. So there is – Massive quality control problems here. Right. And that meant that last year, certain teams probably were using these balls more than others. So we don't actually know who benefited most. My reading of the data is it looks like the biggest winner was Atlanta Braves hitters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's not 100% certain. certain. All that is to say, though, that if people aren't playing under the same circumstances, that 
screws with our belief in the validity of the game. So right. we need to make a change of some sort to fix that. Um, there's also a question of like, do we need to be killing home runs? I don't think so. Um, I think we just need to up the quality control standards. Uh, I think that's it. Um, so I think there is there are two compete like, there are two competing interests here. One of them happens to be really good, and one of them happens to be just really pants on head stupid. Um, which is that, you know, we need to make sure the the game looked like it used to look like. I, I just don't get that. I, I I really maybe I'm young. I mean, I, I'm recently off my parents' health insurance. I'm not that young. Um, <laughs> but goodness. like. There's no part of me that's like, yeah, I loved watching that 15 ground out game from like 2007. No, the memorable moments in sport from the past year are like the Brad Lidge pitch that still hasn't landed and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Like we remember when the ball leaves the yard with authority. Sure. But doesn't it cheapen it a little bit when it happens so much? No. No, it doesn't. It does okay. not cheapen it even for a moment to me. I really like the version of the sport where everyone's living on the edge. Um, I do not like a version of the sport where people um, are, I don't know, not afraid to take risk. Um, like, I, perhaps controversially, really like the, the um, runner on second rule in extras because I think it pushes managers to try to go all in. Mm -hmm. And I think um, a version of the game where... Um, the stakes are higher if you give up contact is an interesting game. Um, it, it encourages batters to chase power and not to try to ground out. It also encourages um, pitchers, perhaps actually, to ground, try to chase, to chase these ground outs. <laughs> and then like, not like mm. balls go over the fence, but like still, like we've, we've shifted towards this game where like the batters who have a little more control are upping the offense. Um, and I don't know, like the MLB can like pull the levers and like try to encourage people to develop in certain ways. I think there were better ways to go after this. And I think that there are better priorities to care about right now. Um, yeah. I, I, I do um, get quality control as a thing that they need to care about. They just need to be more transparent. But we don't know that quality control in terms of baseball to baseball is going to be any better. We just know the specs have changed, right? So yeah. I, there's a possibility that they're going through this and they're still going to have an inconsistency problem. So I'm going to I'm gonna actually stamp this. I'm going to uh, give it a pass on the concept. I, I would like to see the game come back a little bit Um uh, a little bit from the rafters. Um, so, you know, that's just a point that we disagree on. And that's one of the things that makes the game fun. Right. But um, I get, I think this is a fail on the way I, I it feels like there's no guarantee. This is going to be the thing that accomplishes that goal. And um, so now we're doing it. It feels kind of like for the sake of doing it, maybe a, uh, a solution in search of a problem or, or at the very least this particular solution in search of a problem that it may not solve. I think that I would call this like they haven't specified the problem. They've kind of just some, said some things that are related to it. I mean, it's kind of like uh, when you say your car is broken down um, and you're like, all right, got to go fix my car. Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess <laughs> you might start think with that the their tires. offense is too up. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I feel like the question is like, are home runs inherently bad, or like are there other particular things that you feel like have gotten out of whack? And you, there is always a fix for a particular problem. I think deadening the ball is a fix for a lot of different problems. Um, other leagues have done it successfully. Um, we've done it in the past. I, I just want the league to be able to say specifically what they're trying to fix, and. You know, the, the lack of transparency and the lack of also, like, um, really 
good faith like action in any direction always is going to leave me skeptical. That's that's another part of it. I have to leave, I have to say my biases about the MLB are basically uniformly going to be a a doubt about anything the uh, the front like the the big boys are doing. You know, like yeah. Well, I think they've earned that cynicism. Quite honestly, uh, you know whether that's naturally who anybody is or not. I think that they've earned. Uh, the cynicism, and I don't think they've earned the benefit of the doubt. But you at home, you can let us know what you think because uh, <laughs> we're just a couple of guys talking baseball here, but uh, there's a lot of opinions out there, and we'd love to hear from you. So as we've come to the end of our episode here, Alex, let's aid in getting those people to be able to reach out to us. Why don't you go ahead and let them know where they can find us? Well, they can find you on Twitter at the corked mat. I'm on Twitter at Chase underscore rate. And most importantly, you can find our podcast on Twitter at Dugout Study Hall, where you can send us some questions. Please be sure to subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already. Leave us a good review if you can be so kind. And if you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.